How's everybody doing? Great. Are we good? Great? How many of you are great? I'm great too. This is fun. Uh, we are wrapping up our six weeks in the Lord's Prayer. How many of you have enjoyed it? Has it been great? And man, it's been really amazing for me to prepare each week to just dig deeper into the elements of the Lord's Prayer. And I feel like we've enjoyed it. I feel like we've been instructed by it. I feel like it's changed some of the, way, the ways that we pray and the things that we pray about. It's been kind of recalibrating, kind of like rebooting the system. And so I want to share one final challenge as we look at the whole of the Lord's Prayer with you. And then we're going to hear from a couple of you whose lives have just been revolutionized by certain elements of the Lord's Prayer. And then we're going to let a bunch of you just share one thing that you learned. So I think it's going to be a blast. So um, let me pray, because it would be kind of ironic to talk about it without praying. Lord, I ask that you would open up your word to us, that your words would become real and powerful and active, and Lord, that they would adjust our hearts and our souls and our minds. Jesus, have your way. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Amen? Amen. Now, just let these words sink in and pretend that you have never heard them ever before in your life. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Please give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have already forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver each of us from the evil one. Powerful, powerful words about prayer. Um, I want you to keep that in mind, the Lord's Prayer. And what would it look like now to have that kind of a lifestyle, that kind of a pattern of prayer? And I want you to watch this video, and then we're going to talk about it. I look to the scriptures for poetic truth, um, as well as the sort of historical stuff I'm, I'm, I'm interested in. And of course, there was a histor- historical Jesus. No, I'm talking about God. Oh, right. And, and do well, you, I see. I, I, the, per, the person of Christ is my way to understand uh, God. Do you pray? Yes. To whom or what do you pray? To and Christ. Way? To Christ. Yeah. And, and what do you pray for? pray to get to know um, the will of God because then the prayers have more chance of coming true. I mean, that's the thing about prayer, isn't it? I mean, we don't do it in a very lofty way in our family. There's just a bunch of us on the bed, usually. We have a very big bed in our house. And all our, we've prayed with all our kids. We, we you know, we just, we, we read the scriptures, we pray. It's not even regular. Sometimes if we go to church on a Sunday, we go when the church has ended and we'll just go in on our own as a family. For peace and quiet. For peace and quiet. And we'll pray usually about people that we know who are struggling with something, um, illness so, or so, so whatever. Then what or who was Jesus as far as you're concerned? I think it's, the, it's a defining question for a Christian is who was Christ. And, and I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher or, you know, because actually 
he went round saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God or he was not. No, no, nuts. Nuts, yes. Forget yes. rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, so I think therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes, yeah, I mean, uh, I have no problem with miracles. <laughs> I'm living around them. I am one. So, so when you pray then, you pray to Jesus. Yes. The risen Jesus. Yes. And you believe that he made promises which will come true. Yes. I do. <clears throat> now I want you to notice a couple things that Bono said about prayer. One is, I pray to know the will of God. Right? And another thing that he said was, I want to pray for others. Now it's interesting that what he talked about in prayer was not about himself. He said, I want to pray about God, I want to pray about other people. I think the other thing that was fascinating as I listened to him is just how, like, low-key, haphazard, like, we just hang out on the bed and pray. It wasn't formal. It was kind of the opposite, right? But what he was talking about was some of the elements of the Lord's Prayer that are just, it's not about particular words, and it's not about being in church and doing it a certain way. It's about, am I seeking the will of God, and am I seeking the good of others? And I feel like that's what Jesus was trying to teach us with the Lord's Prayer is not a formula, but a lifestyle. Just where prayer becomes normal, where it's like breathing. It's just part of everyday normal life. And I feel like as we stretch out towards God in prayer, as we use the Lord's Prayer and other whatever words we try to use to reach out, whatever thoughts we try to use to reach out, you know what we find? We find that He is already stretching out to us. Have you had that experience where you're just like, you know, you've been running around a million miles an hour and then you're finally like, oh yeah, I got to pray, I forgot. And then you're like, he's been waiting there the whole time. That's just how it goes. Now, as we look at the Lord's Prayer, what do you think is the main focus of the whole thing? Don't answer, rhetorical question. Let's look at the particular words. Let's see if we can find the main focus of the whole darn thing. Our Father. Here's a good indicator. Holy is whose name? Your name. Whose kingdom come? Whose will be? Your kingdom. Your will. And then it says, give us this day, which we would think, right? We're the subject. No, it's interesting. It's an implied you. Please give us today our daily bread. Forgive us, but who forgives? He forgives. And lead us not. Again, you, please lead us not into temptation, but you, please deliver us from evil. 
And then noticing the tag that goes on the end of the Lord's Prayer sometimes. We talked about this at the beginning. This part was added later on, but it was just something that they said in churches that was like a hymn in the first century. So they added this on, and it's some words from, from the, um, the Pentateuch that was just a beautiful way of, like, this was their big amen that they put on the Lord's Prayer. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And really, yours carries all the way through. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory forever. The focus of the Lord's Prayer is not us. But sometimes we use it as a tool to get our way or to ask for certain things, and that's not necessarily bad. But the whole focus of the Lord's Prayer, and I just think it's ironic. We call it the Lord's Prayer because He gave it to us. I think it's the Lord's Prayer because it's all about Him. And I'm learning, I'm trying to figure out what does this mean? How do I live this out? Because it's really all about Him and not about us. But then isn't every prayer? Should, should some of our prayers be about Him and some of them about us? What if every prayer was more about Him than about us? Remember what Bono said, I pray to know the will of God? And then he made a joke like, so that then I, they'll have a better chance of happening. But really, if I'm tuned in with the will of God and I'm asking Him and I'm listening to Him, the prayer is really more about Him than about me. And I'm saying, Lord, what do you want to do in this situation? Lord, show me who I am. Lord, help me feel better in this situation so that I can serve you so that I can be all you've created me to be. I feel like the Lord's Prayer is a declaration. It's a declaration of dependence, not of independence. It's a declaration that says, I need you. Every line of it. I need you. I can't make it without you. And really, what's the point of daily bread? Another day to survive? Doesn't God have much more for us in life than survival and getting by and getting through? I feel like the point of daily bread is so that I can serve Him. And the point of understanding His will and the point of protection from, from uh, sin and protection from the evil one, and it's so I can serve Him, so I can see His kingdom happen. I feel like every day that I live should be for His glory and His purpose. You know what's cool? If I'm praying along those lines, if, if I'm praying, God, would you give me bread so that I can glorify you? If I'm praying, God, protect me from temptation, keep me from all this stuff so that I can see your kingdom built, now we're in the sweet spot of the Lord's Prayer. And then it's like it, it comes alive again to us. And we're like, wait, I get it. This is how this whole thing is supposed to work. Do you know what my greatest desire is in life? My greatest desire is not just that my wife would be fulfilled, that my kids would grow up to, to serve God, that this and that would happen, that, that the church would you know, grow and reach the community. Those are awesome. I feel like my greatest desire is that my life would glorify Him. If my life doesn't glorify Him, then I have failed. Really. If, if I make a billion dollars, and my life does not glorify Him, I have failed. If I raise my kids in such a way that they are, you know, this and that and the other, but I don't glorify Him, I've lost the game. It's game over. Um, how many of you are John Piper fans? Do we have any Piper fans? Okay. 
Um, I went to a conference a number of years ago in Austin, Texas. Awesome town. If you get a chance to go to Austin, man, you got to go and listen to the music. But Piper was there speaking, and he, he gave this beautiful picture that impacted me every day since. He said, our lives are to be jet fuel that propels the glory of God. Jet fuel has no other purpose than to be burned up, and it's gone. There is nothing left. So he said, that is a picture of your life, Connie, that your life just goes, that you are burned up for him. And that if you have other goals in life, they don't matter in comparison with that because that's what you're created to be and do. It's like, wow. Now, he, he also went one step further. He was talking to college students. So if some of you are now college students, I want to speak to you. He said, are you willing to die pointing the right direction so that people can walk over your cold, dead body to find Jesus? It's like, what? But he was really saying, what's your life? Is your life about him or is your life about you? If your life is about him, you're like, I'm expendable. But his glory is not. His glory needs to be the focus. His glory is what our lives are all about. You know what else I think about? In addition to my life being about his glory, and hopefully that will work out, please, Lord, um, meaning that my life will be known for that, not something else. I also think about his kingdom. In the, in the Lord's Prayer, he said, your kingdom come. And I feel, I, I hang on that word king. I want to see his kingdom come because when the kingdom comes, the king comes. I want to see him face to face with people that are broken and hurting and hopeless and lonely and thrashed. And I want to see the king holding them. I want to see the king changing our community. I want to see, I know Dolly Ray that your husband just goes, he just, he gets PO'd that the kingdom isn't happening in the way that it could. And it's just like, Lord, please bring your kingdom because it means he's in charge and he is rescuing people who are so broken and so lost. And I want to see it. And so I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray. And it's not just about like, God, would you, you know, help my bunions or my, you know, help, help me to feel better. I want to see him. I want to see his face. I want to see his kingdom come on. I want to see his glory happen. Do you? Do you really? Right on. Now you, you, if you have followed Jesus and you have claimed him as your king, you exist for his glory. You don't exist for yours. So how do, we, how do you walk that out? I mean, that's great. We heard this message in church about, I exist for his glory. Great. But how? Well, what do you do next? So I was looking for some passages in Scripture that talked about glorifying God. Because I thought that would be really cool to share something from Revelation or Daniel and, and everybody go, ooh, that was beautiful. But I felt like the Lord pointed me to this really interesting passage in 1 Chronicles 16. If you have a Bible, go there. And here's a little background this is where the Ark of the Covenant was being taken to Jerusalem. It was on a cart. It toppled a little bit, and a dude stretched his hand out, and he was killed because he touched the Ark, you know, incorrectly. And then David goes before the Lord and goes, what was that? And he's so afraid of it that he keeps the Ark out of town in this guy's tent, and this guy's whole life is blessed because the Ark is there. 
But this other guy is still dead, and the whole nation is going like, what the heck was that? So David finally creates a space in Jerusalem where they're going to bring the ark the right way this time so nobody dies. And it's interesting. They bring the ark of the covenant to Jerusalem. They set it up, and I love this. They did sacrifices and a worship service because they made it safely and nobody died. So before they had the worship service and the installation, they had a worship service and a celebration because they're like, we made it, right? Talk about the power and glory of God. I mean, how terrifying. So he sets up the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem and then he installs the people who are going to be in charge of it, the priests and the Levites. And here's what he says, starting in uh, verse 7. That day, David first appointed Asaph and his associates to give praise to the Lord in this manner. So here are their instructions. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. I love this word, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look at that. If you seek God, if you're like all about him, your heart should be jumping with joy like, wow, I get to be about him. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. And the instructions go on beyond this. And David says, here's what you're to do. Priests, here's the ark. You guys are the priests. You're to praise God all the time. Never stop. You're to always tell people what he has done. You're always to seek his face. And I want you to have joy about that. So he commissioned the priests. He gave them their jobs as the king and as a prophet. And there was always a group of them doing this day and night. Always praising God. Always in his presence always showing people that his glory mattered. You know what's interesting? The Bible calls you priests. Have you noticed that? David commissioned the priests 3,000 years ago to praise God all the time with everything that they were. Check out this verse in 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people a royal priesthood. You are priests. I I didn't make this up. Robert and Shannon, you're priests. Look, right? Isn't that cool? And then it says a holy nation, which means a separated people for a purpose. God's special possession. If you feel like you're, you're not all that and you feel down about yourself, read this 150 times tomorrow. Because you are God's special possession. He bought you for a price. He welcomed you into his family. He adopted you for a purpose. So when the enemy says, oh, you're just a piece of you know what, you can say, no, I ain't. I am his special possession. And look at this. This is, I love, look at the word that. Okay, so that's great. Like we have our identity. We're priests. We're his possession. This is great. Why? So that you can declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what are our lives all about? What is the purpose of our lives? 
It's, it's this, to, to declare the praises of Him, to, to raise up His glory. Now, I want to go back to this word glory from First Chronicles. This is interesting. The word in verse 10, I don't know if you can put that up, is halal. It means to shine or to flash. It also means to boast, to make something a really big deal. And it has this idea of being foolish about it. So it's kind of like, I love my wife so much, she is the coolest, she is like, oh wow, and I'm kind of like getting all uppity about it and crazy. This word glorify means a bright light, a brilliant color, it means to praise and to glorify and to shine, but it also means to go a little bit further. Now this is interesting, remember the, remember the story about, about the Ark of the Covenant that I talked about coming into the city of Jerusalem? As that happened, do you remember what else happened? Michael, the daughter of King Saul, looked out the window and saw King David, and it says she saw him worshiping God, and she despised him. So this is interesting. The people are praising. David is all about God's glory. That says he was all dressed in linen stuff, right? So you could probably see through it a little bit. He's dancing into town. All the Levites and priests are going off and trumpets and drums and the whole shebang coming into town. Michael looks out at David shining, at David glorifying, and she despised it. And she said, you're crazy. How could you do it like that? Guys, we are priests we are to go before the community and praise God to shine His glory. Some people are going to look at you like you are insane if you're really glorifying Him, right? Now, the Bible talks about not uh, offending people by you, but if they're offended by the cross, so be it. If they're offended by the glory of God, so be it. So I feel like the Lord wants to commission all of us as priests to live out the Lord's prayer, to live out glorifying Him and not care about what anybody thinks because we're about Him and we're about bringing Him glory. So how about if I commission us and then we'll move on and hear some testimonies? Sounds okay? I would love to have everybody stand up. Now, here's the challenge, that you would spend every day glorifying God, meaning your choices, your relationships, your money. Here's one. Your summer is not yours, it's His. What would He have you do? What would, how would He have you pray about this summer? So I want to commission you. He wants to commission us, rather, as his priests now. Would you hold out your hands? Father, we ask that you would give your servants clean hands. And we ask also that you would give us strong hands that would be all about building your kingdom and not our own. Now, would you put your hand over your heart? We ask God that you would give your servants a pure heart, a heart that's focused, that's not distracted, a heart that loves other people, a heart that is broken 
for the things that break your heart, Father God. Now look at your feet. We ask, Lord, that these feet, all of our feet, every single one in this place, would be beautiful as they bring your good news. We ask that you would protect our feet from wandering into sin, from wandering off the path, and from squandering time on all this stuff in life that's not about your glory, that's not about your kingdom. And now look up to heaven, please. God, we ask that you would use our lives for your glory. We ask that we would be expended like jet fuel in making your name and your renown known in the Caneo Valley and in the world. Jesus, it's for your sake we ask this. Amen.